Welcome to Flip the Switch on Life podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marie. I'm an embodiment life coach here to help you live an empowered and soulful life. I guide women towards self-healing to take back their power so that they can start living life by their own rules and embrace their true authenticity. This podcast is your go-to where I will be giving you all the tools and resources to start the process of self-healing, doing the deep inner work, and developing your spiritual wellness. There is so much power in embodying your true self, but we often allow fear and comfortability control our lives, keep us playing small, and settling for less than we deserve. By learning to rewire your subconscious, you will discover your truest and your highest self. You will learn how to take back control and flip the switch on your life. So thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the episode. Happy Tuesday, y'all. It is a rainy day in Dallas, so I am all cozy recording this intro. I just had such an amazing conversation with Victoria, and we are just diving deeper into whole human leadership and a little bit of personal branding and just leadership in general of how to lead your own life. I'm just really excited for this conversation And so Victoria is a 20 plus year corporate executive board director and number one selling author and professional public speaker. Um, She's nicknamed Turnaround Queen and the CEO Whisper. (laughs) She is somebody who does not subscribe to the status quo and she's ready for new challenges, becoming one of the youngest COOs at the age of 24, president at 35 and CEO at 41. Like... Wow, her story of tenacity, of resilience, of adversity is just so inspiring. And I just took so much away from our conversation. Not only did I feel lit up and inspired, but I know you will too. And so I'm really excited to have her on and just share her story and how she created her own resilience, how she moved through adversity, um, trauma, and really as she's been such a big influence um, as a woman in corporate America and starting to shift the way that we look at women and starting to shift leadership as a whole. And so whether or not, whatever your career path is in the moment, you can take so many wisdom nuggets on how to create your own resilience, how to move through adversity and how to still show up for yourself, your personal brand and um, yeah, be, be your own self-led leader. So let's get right into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on Flip the Switch on Life. I have someone really special here today, Miss Victoria, and really excited to dive deeper into her story, her journey. It's pretty powerful. Really excited. And let's welcome her in. Hi, Victoria. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay. I'm excited you're here too. Um, So many facets and 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 so many things of your story that uh, we got to chat a little bit about before um but I would love for you to just introduce yourself to us before we dive into all the things and so um something that 
really stuck out to me was her um, publishing two books on personal branding and the other on whole human leadership. And if y'all have been listening to my podcast for a while, I talk about becoming your most authentic inner leader, uh, becoming the most authentic version of yourself. And so I think this is just right up the alley of diving deeper into leadership um, and just you know, feeling more confident to face adversity and just really step into your authenticity. So Victoria, I'd love to hear more about your story. Like what, I mean, I'm sure where this started, but where, where did whole human leadership start for you? Uh, I, I had to evolve in quite honestly, Jessica, I did like pivot, um, quite a bit. And the reason is, so I be I I've been working what feels like forever. I started working at age eleven. At fourteen, mm. I was like the manager of the shoe store I work for, like work throughout all of college or university. And at age twenty four, I got recruited to be the chief operating officer for a large outsourcing organization. Wow. And um, I don't really love the phrase imposter syndrome, but I, I mean, I walked in two day, decades younger than the majority of you know my counterparts the only female, the only member of the LGBT community. I was married to a woman before now being married to my husband. And so like, I kind of walked in and I'm like, this is a big stretch role for me. And I am the mm-hmm. only one of many things here. Mm-hmm. So I showed up in a very particular way. Uh, and I found out a few years later, my nickname was the Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm known for turning around troubled businesses around like delivering exceptional business results. But uh, at that point, I was all business all the time. The last thing I was going to do is show anyone that I was vulnerable, that I was emotional. I didn't want anyone to question my ability um, and my right to have that seat at the table. So although I've never been different, who I showed up at as work was very different than who I was, you know, when I, when I left the office, my best friend is nicknamed me the tur- like turtle and nothing to do with my pace because like I'm <laughs> a type and I drive fast, but more to do with this really tough, like resilient shell, but I'm actually all marshmallow on the inside. Mm. And so my journey to this like whole human leadership was because I got it wrong. Mm. Um, recognize that, you know, I think, I had great success. And I think like in terms of delivering business results, and I'd say my team respected me, but probably bordered on fearing me versus wanting to follow me. Right. So I had to, as I say, pivot and, and show up in a very different way, start having conversations and doing things that were not comfortable or natural for me at the time. Mm. And that meant being vulnerable meant saying, Hey, I don't know what I don't know. Um, showing, knowing that it was okay to show some emotion, knowing that it was okay to share. I come from like very, very difficult early beginnings, extreme trauma and adversity. That's my why. Like, why am I so Mm -hmm. driven? I'm determined to be better than that. Well, if I didn't start sharing that, like people never like questioned maybe my drive or some of the choices I made, the lack of boundaries I created in terms of at the time working like 24 seven, it felt like. So that is where it comes from. And I recognized how good it is for business and, and everyone around to be operating in that with that kind of leadership and just humanity in the, in the workplace and beyond. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, that's such a huge accomplishment to be 24 and to be, you know, a part of a huge company and, um, a very high level, uh, coming in at that as well. Um, and I, and I can, you know, the first thing that came up, came through from my mind is just like, you know, 
I don't know when this was, but you know, we still live in a patriarchy world. Right. And so um, I can only imagine being the only woman in that position. And then you having to really step into, you mentioned vulnerability a couple of times. And I think, you know, when I was in corporate, I worked for a um, really well-known fashion athleisure fashion brand, and um, I was a part of the e-commerce digital marketing team. And I remember my boss would constantly be crying <laughs> from, you know, the trickle down of the CEO and the creative director. And um, she would always make sure that she was masking her feelings. And, um, you know, as women, we're, we're more naturally more in tune with our feelings. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's um, I just think that's just, we're, we're just, we, I think that's almost a superpower. We have more of the ability to be in tune with our emotions. And so, um, just really quickly, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that was, how that dynamic was for you, because I think, um, as we are starting to wake up and expand our consciousness, we're starting to realize truthfully the world we're living in. And especially for people who are still in corporate positions or, um, in corporate America, um, you know, we're still facing adversity. We're still facing this, um, challenge with the men and the women. And so how was that for you? Um, especially with you sharing, you had to be vulnerable. So like, what was that dynamic in your workforce? Uh, so again, not comfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah to be vulnerable at all. I, I, it took me years. I think it was, I think I was 28 when I heard my nickname was the Iron Maiden or thereabouts. So I'd already been operating for a number of years in the way in which I felt I needed to show up, yeah, uh, be taken seriously. And so then it, 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 it took me several years to, to start to change. Like even, you know, walking into a meeting and not launching immediately into the agenda and going, mm -hmm. I'm going to take five minutes to engage with people as humans, let's understand what they're doing outside of work. How are they showing up? How's it impacting them? Again, not natural for me. So I had to practice it over and over again, model the thinking, the language, the actions, the behavior until it eventually became much more innate. Now I don't think about any of that. That's just, it truly is who, who I am and how I show up, but it, it was difficult. Uh, I, I haven't, I haven't, I, I, maybe I misspoke when I s said that uh, um, speaking up and saying, I don't know what I don't know. Cause I have actually almost always, even in those early years, been relatively good at saying, I don't know what I don't know and surrounding yeah. myself with team members who who do, but I've gotten a lot better at that um, over, over the years for sure. And I, and I still face, by the way, that it's very sad to see the stark, um, uh, gap in diversity. Mm -hmm. to, I mean, the data is, you know, proves 4% of venture capital funding goes to female founders, less wow. than 1% to black founders. Wow. So like the, the data is fortune 500 CEOs. Uh, there, I think we hit double digits this year, like mm. at 1% now it's crazy. Although, you know, the Walgreens CEO, she stepped down and she was also one of, you know, the few black CEOs. So that the, the data is there. Um, yeah. A few years, ago, I was leading a large strategy session at a company I worked for. And I walked into a room of executives. It was me, one other woman and 40, four zero men wow. uh, there. So it's still incredibly um, prevalent. And what I've, you know, that, you know, what I stepped into a lot of it also has to do with confidence, by the way, I am much wow. more comfortable in my skin today than I was at 24 or 28. Yeah. 
or 30. Like, and so I, I will say that, like, y- you know, the wisdom hair that I, you know, I cover the grays now, but like, <laughs> that, you know, that, that certainly helped in the confidence to walk into these rooms and know as often still one of the only women in the room, I'm going to show up. I used to, I also get other nicknames. I am, I'm a very direct, uh, uh, bold leader. I operate with radical candor. You know, I'm Canadian originally. And I remember the first time I moved to New York, I was told I was the least Canadian of the bunch. And they meant, you know, I'm not apologizing constantly, self-deprecating. I'm mm-hmm. very direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's gotten me nicknames that, uh, you know, I don't know if I can swear on here, but like the B name. Yes, Okay, like <laughs> I'm being called a bitch and I'm being told I'm aggressive where in my male counterparts, it's applauded and they yeah. are assertive. And so yeah. this is me, but what's coupled with that is this emotional vulnerable side. And so it creates a great balance that works for- And I'm, I would love to interject there because I feel like in leadership and, you know, and again, I, I do feel like things are slowly shifting, you know, and a few of my friends that are still in corporate America, you know, like they look at the board, they look at like what their C-suite looks like before they would even apply. And I'm like, fuck yes. You know, like they want to make sure there's diversity. They want to see that there's not just white men on the entire C-suite. Um, but I, I think the deeper thing that, that I'm like really curious about is what made you want to get more emotional? I don't even want to use the word emotional because sometimes I feel like when we say that as women, it's like a negative weakness when it's not like vulnerability is a superpower. But I feel like in corporate America, when we're, when we really look at that, or even like, I think in a general sense of leadership, we don't see vulnerability attached to leadership. Right. And so I'm curious for you, what, what made you flip the switch? Like, was there something that happened, excuse me, something that happened that was like taking over that you feel like you needed to shift the way that you were showing up for your employees or what was that? Yeah. And, and I, yes, there was, and I'll I'll tell you in a sec, but the one thing I think is interesting is I think there's a dynamic for men, by the way, who we talk a lot about, thanks to Bernie Brown, we talk a lot about vulnerability yeah. uh, in leadership period. And this is not gender. I actually hate um, talking about like stereotypical gender traits mm-hmm. because behaviors and traits that humans have, and right. they've been, like very stereotyped to certain genders. So I feel for men yeah. who they themselves white, might want to show a little bit more emotional, they're on the flip side. Yeah. They're very, very worried around what it, what does that mean as well? So I, I think Absolutely. it's a dynamic we genders need to like deal with for me hearing I was called the iron maiden was like hit number one Mm. um but actually it came a little bit later than that I came in um on a Monday morning talking to a fellow colleague about what we had done on the uh on the weekends and I said I'd gone to a movie and I was bawling and like it was and she kind of looked at me and she's like Vic she's like I thought you'd be the type of person who'd laugh at people who cried at movies Mm. that crushed me crushed Mm. me that is not me. And if they say perception is reality. And so other people's, you know, reality was based upon how I was showing up and being perceived. And so for me, I was like, that is not me. Like I, I want to build a sense of followership in people. I don't want them to fear me. I want them to do what I'm asking, not because I'm, I'm more senior than them. I want them to do it one, because they believe in, in the why we're doing it fundamentally, and they can get on board, even if it's like a big transformation or a change, but also because they trust me. And so I I don't think I was talking about vulnerability. What I was talking about was at at that time was about building trust. Mm. And 
you know, we now use the word vulnerability much more openly around that. But, you know, so for me, this whole human leadership is about a multitude of, you know, of dimensions or traits we can talk about. It's being authentic. It's about being transparent. It is about being vulnerable. Um, for me, it's also about doing the right thing in business, which often um, I see that not happening. So it mean, and, and there's more, more words to describe it. So, you know, the Iron Maiden and the like, crying thing you know over movies just hit me in the gut and so that's was the impetus to so say like Vic you have to you have to change you have to do better because it's actually not who you are mm-hmm. um and it wasn't wasn't the I wouldn't want to work for a leader described the way I was uh and I wanted to make a better workplace for all when I think about my brand uh, a big part of it's around what's the legacy or the impact that I want to have and I want to be known for yeah. it's not that of the past hmm Mm, thank you for sharing that. I think that a lot of us can relate to that at some point, if not now, you know, and I think in even different areas of your life, whether that's like relationship dynamics, um, career, uh, you know, your, your dynamic with your family too. It's just like, we, we really struggle, I think as humans, um, from our past trauma and from, um, our past experiences that we think we need to be something that we're not. And then it takes something to really open us up and crack us open as well. And so I think that's really powerful to see such a emulation of someone who is really doing this work and has done a lot and is now um, spreading more impact because I think it's so important to really look at the whole human being. And I, and I also love that you shared um, taking away the stigma from from men and women of these like roles of how we should be and um, categorizing certain emotions for for each gender, because truthfully, we've just been so programmed and conditioned to think that way, especially what success looks like and how we should run a company or a brand and all of these things. And I think that our generations are starting to break apart what that actually looks like. And so we get to rebuild our own definition of that. And it sounds like Victoria, that's really what you've been doing in your roles in, um, in your career path. So I I think that's absolutely stunning. And so, um, I would, I would love to hear a little bit more about, excuse me, my throat today must be the weather. It's pouring rain in Dallas right now. (laughs) Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your perspective on adversity and resiliency, especially, you know, I think as a personal brand too. Um, I know I have listeners that are aspiring entrepreneurs, already entrepreneurs and coaches, and I have people that are, you know, working in corporate America that are looking to shift. So what are some of the things that you would recommend or maybe some tips that people can take away from, um, you know, facing adversity and resiliency, especially like being your own leader? It, I've had to learn what I would describe now as a healthy way to be resilient. Mm. Uh, and it's important to like differentiate that. I have always um, been the turtle, the tough exterior. So, you know, I faced extreme trauma as a, as a child. I was born to a drug addicted teenage mother who abused me severely, went in and out of the child welfare system. Fortunately, I was adopted, but then had a multitude of other things that happened from there to even in the corporate context, 18 mergers and acquisitions. I've had to do more layoffs and restructuring than I like, I care to even admit in that those are painful. Mm-hmm. 
to the death of my ex and needing to support my mm-hmm. children, to death, blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff happens. So um, in my early years, the unhealthy way of going through life and dealing with all the adversity and trauma was to just build walls mm. around me. Like you are push you away before you can hurt me, before you can reject me. Yeah. And compartmentalizing. So stuff happens. Well, I'm just going to put this over here and I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily going to deal with it or process it. And I'm just going to move forward. And, you know, that comes to bite you in the ass later. Yeah. Uh, so although I learned how to do that incredibly effectively and roll with the punches consistently, like it weighs heavy, heavy on you. And so for me, I had to learn how to do it, be resilient in in a much healthier manner. And I reflect back on my adoptive mother. I hated as a teenager. She forced me to sit down. She and she's like, Tori, we're gonna work through this. And it would be hours sitting with her. And I'm like, mom, like my God. But it was to on to be re- really self reflective, understand mm-hmm. why I was feeling the way I was feeling and acting out the way I was acting out. But that. I pulled on that later. And so now my healthy way of being resilient is to one, the anchor point for me is understand the goal or objective that you have for yourself. And it can be in personal life. It can be in a fitness goal or journey you have. It can be from a career perspective. It could mean pivoting and leaving corporate to go into your own own thing, whatever the goal or objective is. The next thing is this incredible self-reflection and self-awareness that needs to come in terms of what's holding me back from taking that step? Am I fearful? Do I have insecurities? Why am I showing up as the Iron Maiden? Where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And developing the plan and implementing, in some cases, it's the thought, uh, the language, plus the actions and behavior to take a step towards that goal or objective. And then the last thing would be, give yourself permission to fail. We are Mm -hmm. all fallible. We're perfect in our imperfections. Mm -hmm. when you stumble, whether it's, a, you know, you had control over that or not, still adversity or other challenges are going to come, give yourself permission in that moment to, to feel the emotion for sure, but then pick yourself back up and anchor back on number one. Hmm. But I do have one one last thing, and it's not necessarily yes. part of this healthy level of resilience. Big part of the way I've been able to be resilient is I hold myself incredibly accountable. My children hate that I do this, but I have a <laughs> saying, no excuses. Find a lot of my social media posts, hashtag no excuses. And that just means we have a choice in mm. terms of how we are going to respond to the adversity, to the trauma and move forward. And so if you're mm. unhappy with your, your boss or your job, do what you can to make change. Maybe it's within that organization. And at some point, shit or get off the pot. You can't continue to bitch and do nothing about it. Yes. I love that. I love I love all of those. I think it's like really becoming aware, taking accountability and no choice is a choice. And I think that's something that has always been my moral compass, been like my guiding light because I was very unhappy in my corporate job as well um, in the in the, in the time. And it was like, I kept complaining, 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 waking up just so apathetic. And I'm like, is this what life is supposed to be? Did I move 2,300 miles away from my home to sit in a cubicle in Los Angeles? Like the, the state of dreams or whatever their logo is, right? And I was like, no, I didn't. So what am I going to do about it, right? And I think that's like the biggest thing that, I think that's the biggest attitude that we all can adopt more so is like this sense of 
desiring to make a choice and there are no excuses. You can, you can change anything that you want. Um, yes, there might be like, okay, I want to quit my job and then, you know, start a five figure brand. Okay. That's going to take some time. However, what can you do now to shift and, you know, take those like first action steps, baby steps towards that goal and dream. Right. And so I think people have this like all or nothing mindset. And at least for me, you know, back in the time I did as well. And so I was like, I have to do this in order to do that. And I was like, but wait, no, I can do it this way. And I can, like you said, like, what are the shifts you can make in the organization now that are going to start shifting you more to like what you want to do and and where you want to grow. So I think that that is absolutely incredible advice and everyone and no matter like what situation, you can apply that to everything. It was what I'm trying to say. I love that. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, you, you you mentioned that you're publishing two books right now. One is the personal branding. Another is whole human leadership, which I'm very drawn to. I would love to hear more about personal branding. What does that look like for you? And and what are some of the things that we could find in um your your writing? It um so I I attribute my career success to a number of things. Resilience is definitely one of those the ability to perform and make sure I maintain my um, relevant skills to deliver for, you know, how success is measured in an organization. I've created boundaries, but the other one really is, is about personal brand. And mm-hmm. I don't think I had the vernacular 20, I, 20 something years ago when truly that's when I started it. I made yeah. a shift in that CEO role. I came out of working at a banking, you know, um, you know, B2C um, into this B2B environment and recognizing that my team, and all of a sudden I own sales and marketing, uh, you know, coming into the organization, it's like, how do we differentiate ourselves? How are we, outsourcing was becoming, you know, much more prevalent. Lots of people were looking to do it, tons of labor arbitrage, shift things off to India, all that kind of stuff. We're responding to RFPs and I'm like, how do, not only as an organization, do I create a stronger, stronger brand, but people do business with people they like and trust and therefore want to do business with. Yeah. So not only myself as the leader of that organization, but my sales team, my client management team, what is that? And so I started to then really focus on how we showed up, whether that was, you know, at at conferences, but also what differentiated us. And I recognized that the majority of people, salespeople, um, although everyone's a salesperson, whether that's your your title and your job or not in in an organization, you know, needs to be building that. And what I see is too many people focus on one aspect of personal brand, which is what is my subject matter expertise or what mm-hmm. I am known for. And so that's typically the function or the industry or a combination of those two. And that's it. Well, how many how many consultants are there out there? How many data scientists are there out there? Why would someone- Coaches, do- yeah. Right. And so then recognize that you know, we need to do much more than that. So mm-hmm. for me, there's four parts to um, the personal brand um, story um, overall. Definitely that first first part, the eminence or the subject matter expertise, you know, for what you've studied and you're known for. And that can change over time. So, you know, as we're talking about your listeners who might want to pivot and shift, that'll, that can also evolve and change over time. But the next is what's, what's your story? What are your passions? What are your interests? Those are the things that bridge and build connection with people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd been trying years and years ago. I was running a large financial services portfolio as the exec sponsor and trying to get in front of one of the top executives. Uh, and she never responded to me at this client. Wouldn't, you know, our children played hockey together again, Canadian. Um, and so we met in the arena. Well, Ah. 
So that's, that's something we share. And so start to tell that more broadly. What are your passions? What are your interests? What are the things that you value? Do tell some snippets of your story that will bridge again connection. But then the next part is, but what makes you different? So I do much like I, I, you know, you do, I spent a lot of time with other like people that do coaching. And I, there was one who came to me for her personal brand. And I'm like, well, how are you different than the other millions of coaches that are out there? Why are people going to hire you? Again, do you have years of experience in the field in which they're in? Are you doing something different? So for me, part of what makes me different is certainly the way I lead talking about this, you know, whole human leadership, but things like my radical candor. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, clients trust me because I don't tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they yeah. need to hear. Yeah. With my team, I give them the that radical candor to quote like Kim Scott's book from a place of care and compassion. And I want them to progress and grow. Yeah. That's one thing that makes me different. And then the last thing is in that brand story is like, what is, what is the legacy that you mm-hmm. want to leave? that impact you want to have. For me, it's not going to be the sales and revenue and profitability that I drove for the companies I work for. It's going to be the impact I had on all those I touched, whether that be in the workplace, the community, or the world at large. And who I was as a human, the fact that I raised two really good humans, those are the things. And so that all needs to come together. And you need to be, you're the CEO of Brandview, much like your own career. You curate, develop the narrative. It needs to be authentic. Um, although test it with people, because again, my per- perception of me was very different, yeah. right? So test it with others and then be really strategically intentional about how you build that out, how you show up. And it should be the same, you know, online digitally versus IRL as my children text me. In um, real in- time. Yeah. In real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I, I really resonate with everything in the regards of personal branding is that, um, when clients are working with me trying to discover what they want to do and like, you know, dig, dig deeper into their, their deeper purpose. And I'm like, well, what's your, why? Like your pain to purpose story, because I think that everyone that is of service and that wants to leave this world in a better place, expand consciousness, there is a pain to purpose of why we were chosen to flip the switch on our life and to start activating ourselves and, and, and impacting others. Right. And so I think that's a big part of it as well is really allowing yourself to look at why are you different? And I think that can help separate you from imposter syndrome too, because there's so many coaches there's so many, there's so many of everything. And I think that's amazing. And when you start to look at it with the lens of abundance versus scarcity, that can also help kind of really curate what, you want to teach and then also how you teach, right? There's so many different things and nuances that can really bring that authentic and uh, differential um, point of view to your brand. So I think that's absolutely amazing. And so, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more like your whole human leadership book. What does that look like? It, um, I'm finalizing the title, but so whole human leadership will be in there, but it's, it's the, it's a tale of, or journey of the transformation from Iron Maiden to Turtle. Um, how I showed up I and that. it's a big part. So I'm in career transition right now. I, I don't do things that don't bring me personal or professional joy or value. So I made a decision to leave the company that I was working for previously. Mm. And, and so I had the time and capacity to do it right now to write, which is why two are ha- happening at the same time. I almost couldn't decide between the two. But I knew I wanted to do them both. And it's a big part of it is around like, could I have read a book or listened to a podcast 20 years ago that would have taught me some of what I had to fail through myself? The answer is 
you know, I, I even think of my own children, they don't want to hear it from me when they hear it from the outside world, it's more meaningful. So yeah. what I have listened to and paid attention to and changed from a, a book or something, I, I don't know. But the, the reality is I, I've gone through a significant journey and, and a lot of it's been failure, but I've had incredible successes and many more so given that I changed the way in which I showed up. So I'm writing it because I want people. And I tell very spe specific examples to demonstrate this is how the Iron Maiden showed up. And here's what it looked like. Uh, and then here's where I did it differently. And this is turtle. And I kind of just kind of bring the comparison back to that. So I'm hoping to say, save newer leaders or just people who aren't as evolved from a leadership perspective, um, some time and pain, uh, you know, by sharing some of the lessons that, you know, I've learned over the years. I love that so much. And Victoria, do you have like an expect, um, estimated time of when you would, you know, open these books up or drop them? Yeah. So the personal branding, I don't want to do them at the same time. Uh, so yeah, that would be probably a lot. <laughs> So the personal branding one will come out um, in the new year. So probably in mid to late January uh, and a leadership book will come out in, uh, in the spring. Oh, I'm so excited for you. And Victoria, thank you so much for taking your time today. I very much enjoyed this conversation um, and would love to ask, what are you up to right now that we can get involved in and how can we connect with you? Uh, the connect with me is the is easy part. I have a website, which is victoria-peltier.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, so I won't spell that. And then that's where people can see some of the keynote speaking I do. A lot of the, I do a ton of like writing of articles. I'll share the podcast I'm on there and they can choose to connect with me on other social platforms if they wish. And then in terms of the work that I'm doing now, I am heavily involved in trying to uh, focus around DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, very focused on the LGBT community, not only because I'm a queer person, but I also have a trans child uh, mm -hmm. and seeing so much of what's what's transpired or um, particularly in the US for the last number of years. I also just set, um, was just um, appointed to the board of Help Us Adopt org, which is super personal to me, given that I'm a child of adoption. Uh, mm -hmm. And they give grants. Uh, little did I know how expensive it was. The average is forty to fifty thousand dollars to adopt a child. That mm -hmm. doesn't. I mean, that's even just if you're staying within the country, let alone having to go internationally. So they give grants to help parents and families, uh, and they have a desire to increase the number of LGBT families that receive some of those grants. So that's one of the areas where I'll, I'll lean in heavily to. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, everyone. Um, all Victoria's info is going to be in the show notes. Please go connect with her. And again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Mm, what a powerful episode. Coming on here just to lovingly remind you that we now have a question form to fill out so if you would like your question answered or if you would like to hear more specific topics or hear from specific guest experts I'm really inviting you to go to the show notes click the link for the question form and fill out your question it can be completely anonymous this just helps me craft and curate the best conversations with expert leaders and also solo episodes so again, thank you for your participation, your interaction, and listening and supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flip the Switch on Life. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you appreciate the show, please jump over to iTunes, give us some stars. If you're feeling for it, write a review. 
And if you want to learn more about these topics that we discussed today, check out the show notes for more information, or you can also come hang out, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Instagram is Jessica Marie Step, and I will see you guys next week. <laughs>